0: Welcome into the Flat Rock Sports Podcast. I'm your host, Christian Hunt, and on today's show, we're gonna be breaking down pit football and life after Kenny Pickett. Now, before we get into that, be sure to like, comment, and subscribe, as again, that really helps what we're trying to do here on the channel. Now, with all that out of the way, let's get into it. Welcome to the Flat Rock Sports Podcast, your daily source for all things college football. And now your host, Christian Hunt. out with the old and in with the new quarterback Kenny Pickett was selected with the 20th pick in this year's NFL draft by the Pittsburgh Steelers talk about not a very far move right heck he even gets to play in the same stadium that he played at for the last four years look to me that's pretty awesome right and and it may actually be pretty good for him right because you know when you get drafted in the NFL there's so many things that go into that right as a rookie you're learning your new city you're learning all this other stuff right he knows exactly where he's at so that's going to probably help cut down on his learning curve but this isn't an nfl podcast right this is a college football podcast you know i got the idea to to talk about this in light of pat narduzzi's comments on mark whipple and you know honestly i wanted to when i was doing my research into that i wanted to see well how good is Pitt going to be this year you know, in light of everything that's kind of happened, you know, and, and what they're losing. And I think what we're going to see, and I'll kind of just tell you my, my expectations for them right off the bat. I think they're in really good hands uh, with Pat and Arduzzi and going forward. I, I think this is going to be really awesome for them this year. So let's, let's get into it. Let's, let's take a, let's talk a little more shop, right? All right. So check this out. University of Pittsburgh Panthers, all right? They're going to try to replace Kenny Pickett. You know they're doing a great job at being able to do that because they get USC transfer uh, transfer quarterback Caden Slovis. Now, when we take a look back at Slovis, he actually took over for quarterback JT Daniels. Okay, when he was hurt at USC his freshman year, and he didn't look back. Right through three years at USC, Slovis has put up over 7,500 yards alongside of 58 touchdown passes. Right? The offense is definitely in good hands with Slovis. If you had to pick a backup or a guy to step in and take the, you know, the slack from Kenny Pickett leaving, Slovis is probably the perfect guy that you could you could draw up. You know, here's the other thing about Slovis. He's gonna try to do something that Kenny Pickett did too, right? He was kind of he kind of did okay, Pickett, you know, he did his first couple years, and then he just bam had a really lights out year uh that last year i think all right i think slovis has a awesome shot at being able to replicate some of that success you know as far as what do i think he's going to put up if he's just a few degrees below what kenny pickett did last year the team's gonna the team's better than it was last year arguably in my opinion at at critical positions maybe not playmaking positions like we're you know we're getting ready to discuss but arguably they're going to be better all right? alongside Slovis you've got a duo of running backs that are coming back from last year that put up over 1300 yards and 14 touchdowns so you know they're, they're last year they had three running backs you know when you factor in what they all put in they all probably put about all told they had about 2000 yards together but They actually are going to do really well with just these two running backs this year. And they may platoon it, they may rotate another guy in there. But like I said, they're a running back by committee sort of team, which is good for them. Now, they're also going to try to replace Jordan Addison, who is their leading wide receiver and who's arguably one of the best wide receivers in the country uh, this year and last year as well, as he transferred to USC. Now they're going to replace him with senior Jared Wayne. Now Wayne had a respectable, he had a respectable 700 yards last year to go alongside of seven touchdowns. Sorry, six touchdowns, should I say? Here's where it gets interesting. They also landed tra- Akron transfer Kanata Mumfield, who put up 751 yards to go alongside of eight touchdowns. Now look, whenever you get a guy from a smaller school, it's always easy to to sort of tamper expectations here, right? If a guy puts up uh, 1500 yards, you know, at an Akron. Okay, maybe saying 700 yards uh, would, you know, cutting his stats in half is probably a safe bet. So you're probably saying to me, oh, well, he put up almost 800 yards. So was he going to put up like 400 yards and like four touchdowns this year? I don't know. <laughs> you know, I think if you ask me the reality of it, he'll probably put up, I think he'll match what he probably did at Akron last year. Get close enough to it, right? maybe not as many touchdowns, but I think receiving yards wise he'll he'll get pretty close to that. They also have sophomore tied in Gavin Bartholomew right? He had three hundred and twenty six yards last year, and he had four touchdowns, so they 've got some pieces back on this offense that are that look pretty good, but I saved the best part of this for last. The best part of this is this: they get all. Five starting offensive lineman back there's only one program right now off the top of the dome there's more than this i know there is but of note there's only one program i can think of that's doing that that's west virginia that's pretty interesting right because you think about it right look they play west virginia believe it or not and they're very similar teams too when you really stop and think about it when i was doing this because i've covered west virginia they, they remind me so much of each other right The reality of the situation is they get all five starting offensive linemen back. They're going to be in a situation where, you know, honestly, they're in a situation where the ACC is is probably not super, super loaded. You know, they have a chance if they can beat the Carolina schools and they, they have a chance to go a pretty long way this year. And their schedule, I looked at their schedule. Here's the other side of that, too. It's not that difficult of a schedule it really isn't that difficult of a schedule, right? It depends on how a couple of these teams play, right? It really depends on how a couple of these teams play, but I think they could, in theory, uh, win out this year. Now, again, I think this is going to be smoother than expected as a transition away from the old guard, if you will, of Pickett and Addison. But here's where and I'm just going to say this and we'll, we'll move on to something, you know, another topic I want to talk about here, but, you know, I think it's interesting. I was thinking about this this morning, you know, when you think about it, right. From a defensive standpoint, if you were to go by and say, let's rank defenses by conferences here, the SEC would be number one. I would say the big 10 would be number two. I would say, The ACC is at number three. The Big 12 is at number four. And the Pac-12 is at number five. So that's your power fives, how they all shake out. If I'm ranking defenses, honestly. Again, Caden Slovis is coming from one of, in the scenario I just painted for you, one of the worst defensive conferences that I just mentioned. And he's going up a couple of ladders. Like if he would have transferred to a big 12 school, for example, uh, he's only going up one, but now he's going up a couple uh, of ladders, you know, rungs on the ladder. So I'm going to be curious to see how that translates, you know, for him this year. But anyways, eighth year coach, Pat Narduzzi. Okay. He's going to look to improve on his 53 and 37 record. Right. But he is, has been in such a beacon. Okay. Of consistency throughout this program. I mean, he is, He's just been a consistent coach. He's been really, really good. He's been on point with everything he's done, right? Now, as far as coaching changes, like major coaching changes go inside of the program, they're going to have to replace co-offensive coordinator Mark Whipple, who we covered a couple of episodes ago on the podcast, right? You know, he did play a big part at developing Pickett and transforming the offense last year, right? And see, that's the thing I want to talk about, right? As good as they were last year, this wasn't just a a one-and-done fluke thing, right? This was years in the making, years in the making for them to have all the stars align and absolutely pop off, right? So that's really what this is about. It takes time to sort of get that cohesion together as a team. Now, Whipple's going to be replaced by Offensive coordinator Frank Signetti Jr. All right, He's making his third stint with the Panthers. He's there, he's gone. He's back, he's gone. He's back. Right? So check it out. He was the offensive coordinator at Boston College last year who had the 103rd overall total offense as well as the 93rd scoring offense. The reason why I paused right there was simply because you're going to probably see a little bit of difference here right they had the 106th passing offense okay paired with the 59th best rushing attack last year right they're going to try to at least okay at least if they can keep themselves inside of the top uh, man i'm stretching here probably top 30 this year in offense is it would be something realistic i would say um but we'll have to see right you know their their offense last year finished eighth in the country in total offense. So it's 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 a hard thing to try to sit here and replicate all this. Okay, <laughs> to try to replicate that from a guy who, you know, last year at Boston College, part of their problem was honestly part of their problem was their quarterback was hurt. You know, like their, Phil Dracovic, he was hurt all year, uh, and so that really I think hamstrung them. In a lot of those games that they should have won. They should have probably put up bigger numbers and such. So that's probably why their offensive numbers were skewed a little bit. So again, I would say that you gotta for your pit, they're gonna have to be more balanced this year, right? To get Slovis on the same page, as well as the rest, of, you know, as well, the rest of the cast, right? Here's the reality of the situation, and I think Pat Narduzzi mentioned this in that podcast where he sort of got on Whipple for not running the ball more. You know, I think they're going to try to run the ball more this year is really what I'm hearing. They're going to try to run the ball, get Slovis adjusted. You know, when they play the weaker teams out there, they're going to try to throw it more. And like I said, it's, it's going to be a, what Narduzzi is and what Signetti are, is they're safe hires. They're the guys that when we talk about this, they are absolutely going to be, uh, Safe guys, they're consistent guys, right? They're the the old bread and butter, if you will, right? You can count on them. They're going to get back to just being very simple, very, you know, humdrum type type of offense, right? It may not be as sexy or as flashy as what you've seen in the past from Pitt, but I think they're still going to be consistent. And I think overall, like I said, they're going to be a much better team this year uh, overall from that standpoint, right? Now, and part of the reason why I'm saying this. Okay, part of a huge reason why I'm saying this, their defense should be a hell of a lot better this year. Okay, they bring back all of their defensive line from last year. Oh, and by the way, I know I was bragging about Clemson's defensive line. Uh, Their defensive line put up 26 sacks last year. They bring back their best player in linebacker, Sorvekia Dennis. Okay, I mean, the dude's stat line was pretty great. I mean, from a linebacker standpoint, he does pretty well. Now, I did look at it. They did lose some, some of their other backers that they had from last year, but that's okay because, oh, guess what? By the way, they landed a transfer in Notre Dame linebacker Shane Simmons, who was, oh, I don't know, just the number six outside linebacker in his class and the number 90 player overall in the 2019 class. Guy's pretty good. Now, he didn't play a whole hell of a lot, wasn't really factoring into a lot of the stuff at Notre Dame, but the guy's talented, which you know hey look if anything else at least we've got some talent coming into the program they bring back three out of four starters in the secondary they bring back three out of four starters in the secondary that is huge because again in the ACC to me the ACC is more like you know when i think of when i think of the big 10 and I think of the SEC, right? I think of more well-mixed-in offenses, right? When I think of the Big 12 and I think of the Pac-12, I think of more like spread you out, have to throw the ball a million times a game, and secondaries get cooked, right? The ACC, to me, they're, they're kind of like that, sort of in the middle of that, right? You know, here's, here's the ultimate side of it, right? They ranked 39th last year in team defense, Pretty good. They were a top 40 defense last year, right? And I believe, if I'm not mistaken, that's Narduzzi special. (laughs) The old Narduzzi special, right? Sounds pretty good. But listen, they have to be better in their secondary. All right, they finished 115th in passing yards allowed. Okay, 115th in passing yards allowed per game with an average of 264. If I'm not mistaken, when I was doing my research into this, I believe that was dead last in the ACC. Here's where it gets really weird though. As much as they gave up in the passing game, they were lights out. They were lights out in the rushing game. They were number 6, they were ranked number 6 in rushing defense last year. I mean, teams I don't think averaged 100 yards on them. So that's that's pretty damn good, right? When you play these teams like when they're getting ready to play Tennessee, okay, I'll give you an example of this. They're getting ready to play Tennessee uh, early on in the season you have to be able when you play sec teams you have to be able to stop the run and you have to be able to not let them dice you up in the passing game especially with what tennessee wants to do with Hypel and some of these other guys it's going to be really really important for them to play lights out on defense man if they can if they can come in there and and sort of put the clamps on tennessee early on in the season put the clamps on west virginia because you know they're playing west virginia too and and here's the thing, right? Like I said this, and I kind of compared them to West Virginia. I'm going to do it again for just a second, right? Think about this. They bring in an electric transfer quarterback who started their career at USC. Check. They bring back all five starting offensive linemen. Check. By the way, the transfer they brought in has often been hurt and been replaced because he has been hurt by somebody younger than him. Sound familiar? Yeah, yeah, yeah. They bring back a quality portion of their defense. Oh, and by the way, uh, you know their secondary is a little bit questionable, a little bit suspect, if you will, right? Their wide receivers that are coming back, you know, are they are they the most touted? No, 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 they're not. Like I was saying, this is a team that reminds me they're a better to me. Pittsburgh, in a lot of ways, is a much better position, right? Because here's what I would argue: I think J.T. Daniels is a better quarterback than Caden Slovis. But I think, okay, I think that their Pitt's defense is better. Pitt's defense is better than West Virginia's. So what does that, you know, what would that account for in in an actual game? I mean, it's marginally incrementally different. Like I'm not gonna play the fence on this. I think if you put them head to head, which thank God they're going to be playing this year, uh, I don't know, man. I think when I look at this, I I think Pitt beats them. I think Pitt will beat West Virginia, but it's going to be an interesting game to say the least, right? My season prediction uh, for Pitt this year, 10 and two, right? I think they play some good teams. I don't think they play any outstanding lights out, you know, you know, great teams this year, but I think again, they can go 10 and two pretty easily this year. And you know, that will be a good year for them. Now, let's take a look at this. we got some more hot takes to kind of get to here as we love to do on the show. JT Daniels, Quinn Ewers, and Max Dugan. Okay, they lose their jobs by the end of the year is what this hot take is saying. Hmm. I'm going to say that one more time for you. JT Daniels, Quinn Ewers, and Max Dugan lose their jobs by the end of the year. If you don't know who they are, don't worry. I'll get them for you. All right, barring injuries, Quinn Ewers, who's the quarterback for Texas, arguably, and a lot of people think he's going to win this job coming out of the, the camp, Right? He should win that job. And when they hand him the job, they're not going to pull him. As he's the blueprint for Arch Manning. He is the blueprint for Arch freaking Manning. Okay. You can't. If Arch Manning and the Manning family see at the first sign of any kind of trouble throughout this year, how you've handled this five star quarterback. They're going to literally think, huh, that's probably what's going to happen with me. I'm going to struggle and he's going to really mess my career up. I don't know if I really want to be a part of that. That seems like a, a lot, you know. I don't know if I really want that. Again, and this could be again, this could. And I've talked about this, right? This is a pitfall for Steve Sarkeesian. It's a lose lose situation. If Quinn Ewers struggles very badly, and we don't know how he's going to do, because again, this kid has not played in a meaningful college game yet, and has not thrown a college pass yet of significance. If he struggles and the team loses. And he has no, he, he's going to lose. He's screwed. He can't bench the kid. If he benches the kid, well then, oh my God, if I struggle, if I come to Texas and I struggle, he's not going to stick. He's not going to stick with me. Right now. Getting back into this, unless I think the kid's okay, because the big 12 favors big armed quarterbacks that are talented. And he is certainly that as we've talked about it. I, I think he's okay. So I, I, unless there's some sort of injury, I think that they're going to be, I think that they're going to be okay. And by the way, you got to remember Sark's the quarterback whisperer, right? So he's in good hands with Sark. JT Daniels is a legitimate. All right. So check this out. JT Daniels. And I've said this a couple of times, but I'm going to say it again. He is a legitimate top 10 quarterback when healthy. And he should prove a hell of a lot of people wrong this year. You know, he doesn't, he's not getting any hype this year, by the way. You know, I, if anything, I'm the one hyping this kid up a lot because I know, hey, look, the underdog story here, you you put him on a dangerous sort of counted out West Virginia squad that the coach is a little bit on the hot seat. You know, the team's not really expected to do a whole hell of a lot. Everybody's talking about Texas and Oklahoma moving. I'm just going to flat out tell you right now, if this team gets past Pitt and they get past some of these pitfalls, hey, that's pretty good, right? No, but seriously, they get past some of the, the treacheries and the trap games and whatever have you. They they can make a run, they can make a very strong run because he's getting his entire offense, he's getting the entire starting offensive line from last year back. Now how good they're going to be, I don't know, right? But if they can take a step up, that's going to be a long way, right? If they can get a little bit of a running game behind him to take some pressure off, that's going to be great. If they can get some of these wide receivers that were okay last year to step up and be uh, a little bit better than good, oh my God, magic chef's kiss right they're going to be that's going to go a long way at doing that but no they're not going to here's and here's the reality of the situation i'm going to say i'm going to give you the answer to this right they're not going to fumble the bag on this because they got to get better at recruiting how do you get better at recruiting well you don't mishandle when you have five-star prospects in your program you don't let them unless you have a whole bunch of five-star prospects if you've just got a like one which is jt daniels in this case at the program you play him Barring him tearing an ACL. No, there, there is no way JT Daniels is coming out this year. Max Duggan, okay, over there at TCU. Okay. Again, what I just said, if you've got a very highly rated quarterback, which he is, right? He was the highest rated player uh, at in the he's the highest rated player in the TCU quarterback room right now. Okay. He was the number five dual threat quarterback. Now, I didn't really know a lot about this kid when I started doing my research and I started talking about this and whatever have you. I'm about to break this down, and I'm about to blow your mind because this is a kid you've probably not heard of or haven't heard of in a long time. He put up, he's put up 7,300 yards and 60 touchdowns this year. The kid's not going to get benched, okay? He's really not going to get benched. Should he stay healthy? And, again, it's a big theme of this. If, he's, if they stay healthy, there ain't no way they're getting benched. He's had, He's been too productive, and he gives them the best chance to win every game they're in. Now, if they get towards the end of the year, and you know what I mean, they've dropped some games and it's not looking great, you know what I mean, all that loyalty and crap like that, that all go that kind of goes out the window in a lot of ways. Because as a coach, I want to start getting some of these younger guys in. I want them to start playing, get them experience on rotate and stuff like that. That's not necessarily that he lost the job. That's simply just... We're preparing for the future, right? If it was any other season or whatever have you, I could see it, right? I I could see, also. but the hot take in this was that all three of them lose their job by the end of the year. Not all three of them are going to lose the job. If anything, the one that I could see being a realistic possibility, if you could call it a realistic possibility, would be the TCU guy. I'll say this, and and this is kind of going to allude us to the next hot take. The Big 12 is going to be good this year. It's going to be shockingly good. There's gonna be a lot of upsets. The teams you think are gonna be good and and are gonna win it, they may not. It's there's a lot of trap games this year. Okay. Now I'm not throwing anything crazy out there like saying like Iowa State or uh, you know, Kansas are gonna win the the damn conference. But I want you to think about this, right? I want you to think about this before we jump into this next thing I'm gonna say. Texas, Oklahoma, Baylor. Oklahoma State, West Virginia, TCU, and Kansas State. Okay, Kansas State of all things. Kansas State has a legitimate Heisman contender in their their backfield. Right? They have a a serious potential all Big 12 first-team quarterback in their backfield. What do I mean by that? Well, Adrian Martinez, right? He's going to end up as a Big 12 first-team quarterback. That's the hot take here. That's going to prove a couple of things to some people. Okay, The first thing that's going to prove is Nebraska completely mishandled this kid. And they're likely going to mishandle Casey Thompson this year, is what that's going to prove. I think as a Nebraska fan right now, you're sweating bullets. Because if this kid goes in and does anything of of substance this year at at K-State, whether it be statistical and or in the record or whatever have you, if there's anything worth note there. And Nebraska fails to win six, seven games this year. Oh, I'm going to be pissed because then, then then we're going to have realized, Oh my God, we just wasted three or four years with a quarterback guru. Right. We just wasted our time. And we let this kid walk right out of the program. Like could he have been better with somebody else? Right. Here's what that would also mean. Right. If he, you know if he slots in and he has that kind of year where he can become a big 12 first team you know all American quarterback whatever have you that means they're going to have a dark horse Heisman contender and like I just said that quarterback back there that means they're probably going to be tearing up the big 12 this year because now not only do you have a running back that you have to account for oh now you have a dual threat quarterback back there who can straight up dice you and slice you any way he wants that's a nightmare mismatch for majority of the teams that are going to play this year in a league that favors offense, and we've talked about that. Here's my last thing that I'm going to give you that points to this. remember, remember earlier on when I kind of broke down the conference defensive rankings and how they normally play out? Last year Casey Thompson he put up thir- or sorry not Casey Thompson. last year, Adrian Martinez put up 3,300 yards to go alongside of 27 touchdowns. I'm going to say it one more time for the people in the back. He put up 3,300 yards and 27 touchdowns in a conference that has better defense. As a matter of fact, not just like one rung above better defense, but two rungs above better defense. The Big Ten, it does. Because you got to think, you've got teams in there like, uh, I don't know, Michigan who's got a good defense, Wisconsin. Iowa there's so many good teams in there that have better defenses comparatively to and better front sevens okay which is a quarterback when I'm getting when I'm dropping back and I'm getting literally sacked as I'm throwing the ball on a three step drop you know it's just not good right and and I watched their spring game you know you you take Martinez out of there their offensive line still didn't look good i mean they were still getting to the quarterback it's 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 a quarterback's nightmare back there right the Big 12 has known for having softer defenses. He's gonna have more time to throw the ball. Guess what? He's, if you get more time to throw the ball, you get that softer coverage where teams are backing up. And their secondaries are probably a little bit, arguably better. But you, you know, they're backing up, backing up, backing up. He t- he takes off and runs with it. Psh. I'm telling you, they're gonna to have to start cheating up in the box. You start cheating up in the box. Guess what? We start play action in that thing. Little Tim Tebow pop pass, bam. Uh oh, good night, right? 100%, he becomes a Big 12 first-team quarterback this year. Flat Rock Sports presents Hunt's Hot Seat. All right, on this segment of Hunt's Hot Seat, I've got a great one. Is we're going to be breaking down Boston College coach Jeff Hathley. Now, is an interesting one because he's in year three. This is going to be his third year right at Boston College. Now, overall, he's got a 12-11 and 11 record, so he's just above five hundred. This first couple years, though, been okay, right? This first year there, they put a, they posted a six and five record. Last year, they went six and six, and they finished at the bottom of the ACC standings. Now, you know, again, the reason why one year he went six and five, the last year he went six and six, was simply because of the COVID year. They've actually made it in both seasons. They've made it to bowl games, but they haven't been able to play them because COVID. You know, I guess they've had an outbreak of COVID. You know on both both those seasons that we weren't able to play the bowl games so here's the reality of the situation when i when i took a step back a little more and i really started looking at Hathley, okay one of the things I, I noticed was he was actually the co-defensive coordinator at ohio state before taking this job so he did a good enough job to do that and to get all the way there at one of the best programs in the country he was ranked the ninth best recruiter in the country right the guy can recruit straight up right you know, and speaking of speaking of Cruden, right? Boston College actually has the forty-first best class right now. Uh, he's averaged the thirty-eighth best class since arriving. Look, you know, whenever we talk about and we do these hot seat ratings, right? One of the big things that I like to talk about is is Cruden, right? It's one of those things. He's doing a phenomenal, okay, phenomenal job right now at recruiting, and I think, and we'll we'll kind of get into it here in a second. He's got to do a little bit better job, right? Now, part of what hurt him last year was quarterback Phil Dracovic, who was injured in week two. Right? Now, he got injured in week two, but here's the reality of the situation. Right, Comes back after week two, or sorry, he comes back with the last four games of the year. Right? That was a stretch in the last four games of the year when he came back. They went two and two. They failed to put up more than 24 points in three of those games. The last game in which they did put up more than 24 points was against Georgia Tech, who is the worst team in the ACC. That's not even a, it's not even an argument. And I like, listen, I'm a Georgia fan and I always say this, right? I'm not trying to bash tech. I'm just trying to give you straight up facts, not opinions, facts. They were the worst team in the ACC last year. So here's the other side of this here, right? I like to do a little bit deeper dive into the programs when we cover them here. So I can, as a fan, I can put myself into their, their celebellum, right? I can see what, what is our history? What are we fighting for? When was the last time we were relevant? well, they they've only won one national championship. They've had one Heisman winner, which was Doug Flutie. They've had players such as the aforementioned Doug Flutie, Matt Ryan, Luke Kuechly, Bill Romanowski, and Matt Hasselbeck. So, in case you're wondering, they either produce elite-level quarterbacks, arguably, or all-pro linebackers. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So it's, there's no in between, right? That's just what they, they just pump out. So it's, it's great. You know, they've, they've got a lot of talent over there at Boston college, they're quarterback linebacker schools, right? What more could you want? No. Um, here's the other, the other side of it here. When I was breaking this down and I was trying to decide what should I, what should I realistically rate them on this? Right. I gave him a six because he's in his, he's going into his third year. This is this is why I gave him a six. The third year is such a pivotal year for a coach, you know, especially at the college level, because that's going to go so far in determining whether or not he's going to be successful and whether or not he actually probably sticks around with a program. Why do I say it like that? If he's successful this year in the third year, right? Right. That's going to go a long way in recruiting. That's going to buy him a couple more years, right? He's got an opportunity to, to buy himself some time. If they, if they falter and they slide back and he loses more than, or sorry, he, he, he doesn't win more than, you know, five games this year, so to say, and they take that step back. He, that hot seat is going to get hot really quick. Okay. And the reason why it's going to get hot really quick, by the way, is because he's returning a potential NFL quarterback in Phil Jarkovic. Right. I mean, he transferred out from Notre Dame into the program and there was a lot of expectations with him. Right. He is also going to get back this leading rusher from last year and his leading receiver. Okay. But here's the problem. They're going to get their trio of guys back. And you know how I like trios. You get some linemen back, you know, you're, you're looking pretty good. I'm all for it, right? And, and on paper, they should be a lot better this year. Here's the here's the problem: their schedule is going to be a lot tougher. Okay, the schedule is going to be a hell of a lot tougher this year. If they struggle, look out, because I'm telling you right now, this is on paper the the best chance they should have to win. But you you got to understand, last year they're they're playing, they're jumping right into the ACC a lot sooner this year, um, and last year. They posted a two and six record in conference. They weren't very good against the ACC. Now you can make the argument, well Christian, it's because their quarterback was hurt. Yeah, I understand that. I completely get it. But in the games he did play, like I said, majority of them they they did not put up more than 20 points. And you got to factor that's probably not going to happen this year. You know, uh, being able to not put up 24 points in a, a league that is run by the Carolinas, they will absolutely boat race you right out of that league, right? Here's the other side of this, right? He's got to get his recruiting up into the top 25 if if he's going to be successful in the long term, right? I think he's got to at least win seven games in a bowl game this year. He's got to at least go to the damn bowl game, right? I mean, they haven't played yet, but they've made it twice. Good for him, right? Good on him. But you got to win at least seven games and at least get to the bowl. You know, I would say at least realistically win a bowl game. I mean, if they win seven games, they make it, you know, to a bowl game. It's like any other year they've had, right? We're just kicking the can, right? Here's the thing. If he can hold on to this job for a few more years, you want to know what I think they should do. And I think it would be an interesting twist if they did this. I don't think they'll ever do it, but it'd be awesome if they did. Give Luke Keekly and Matt Ryan a call. Bring them in and let them be coordinators. I'm telling you, if they did that, man, and, and just for a couple of years, hey, I just need you to come in and be the defensive-offensive coordinator here for two or three years. Right, all these guys go out and they become analysts, right? I don't know if anybody's thought of like maybe giving Luke Keekley a call. They say this guy was one of the smartest defensive players of of all time because he would know what the other team was going to do before they would necessarily run the play. He was that good at diagnosing plays based off formation. So imagine that guy sitting up in a box somewhere running a defense and parting that knowledge onto these kids, right? You know, Boston College again. It's it's like one of these programs. A lot of these programs we talk about, they're they're really really hard, rigid, rigorous academic institutions. You know what I mean? It's like, what what? <laughs> you know what I mean? Like you have got to be so smart to get in there that it's like it it, it hurts the football program. You know. But like I said, it, it, that's just what I would recommend. They would do do something. Get you know Luke Kuechly sitting on the sidelines right now, right? He's retired. He's you know whatever you want to call it, but he's he's available. Give him a call. At least that way, maybe the defense gets even better, right? Maybe that parlays into the offense. But I don't know. It's just just a suggestion for them. But with that being said, that's actually going to conclude this episode of the Flat Rock Sports Podcast, your source for daily college football content. As always, I'm your host, Christian Hunt, and we'll catch you next time.